Hey, this is Bobby Garza from Transmission Events and Austin Music People. You're listening to the Feedback Podcast. Tune in next week when Back is going to interview the random dude who puked at Barbarella's. What up, everybody? This is Back with the Feedback Podcast, the only podcast about the Austin nightlife. And this is episode number 87. And on this show, I get to talk to Terrell Shahid, who's a singer, songwriter, producer, musician, uh, real estate agent. He does it all. He's been in Austin for a long, long time. So he's seen Austin grow. And we talk about how Austin was back in the day. He calls it heaven. But uh, we talk about the music scene, the hip-hop scene. We also talk about the politics, talk about Austin as the music city and live music capital of the world, how to define it and so on. And this is great because this is leading into our five-year anniversary at Vulcan Gas Company on December 19th. And our goal for the party is to support the Austin music community by raising money for Austin music people. If you want to know more about what they do for the Austin scene, music scene, go to austinmusicpeople.org. We just listened to episode 85. They weren't, they came on the podcast and they had great things to say. It was really important that you guys support the Austin music scene because without people like them, we wouldn't have music like we have here in Austin. And Terrell Shahid and his band will be playing Henry the Invisibles would also be playing, and DJ Protégé would be providing the sounds, and who better to host a party like this than Riders Against the Storm? As always, we'll have the red carpet pictures, the live interviews, we also got food catered, so make sure you come out and support. You can still get your tickets, thefeedback.com slash five years is going down December 19th, Saturday at Vulcan Gas Company. Make sure you follow the feedback on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff, Instagram. Thank you for your support. It's been five years. I appreciate every, everything you guys been doing for me and the feedback, and I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so much, and I hope I see you Saturday. All right, let's go. And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back. And shout out to everybody tuning in live on Mixler. If you want to share the link, it's thefeedback.com slash Mixler. And today, I have the pleasure to welcome my friend Terrell Shahid in the house. How you doing, man? What's going on? Back in the building, man. I'm here. I'm always back. Always back in the building. What's up, man? Good stuff. So this is like an ongoing series because I'm trying to I'm previewing my party that's going down this Saturday, and I, you know I've had the owner of the bar, I've had Henry Invisibles, the uh, Austin Music people. So now I'm like I have to get yeah. Terrell on because this man's been around for man forever. I don't know forever since Jesus. <laughs> How was he? <laughs> he was good. <laughs> no, but um, let me start by saying first of all, I appreciate you coming. I know you're busy. Hey man, this is good stuff though, man. Helping the musicians is benefit for for a very needed, necessary thing. That thank you're doing. you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. So let's get into some uh, backstory right off the bat because uh, you've been doing this for a while, and I know there's a lot of history. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of. Uh, are you from Austin originally or no? No, I was born in Fort Worth, but then uh, my mom moved here when I was two. So oh, so you're from only, Austin. I'm really from Austin. Yeah, I just don't know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> So did you grow up around music? There was, uh, you know. No, nah, see, my mom, she didn't. She wasn't a musician. My dad, you know, he can carry a tune, but he never sang or anything like that. I don't know how I got bit by the bug. I went 
um, to school one day and saw instruments. You know what I mean? There uh, was no uncle, no cousin. <laughs> no, no. Nah. No instruments in the house. No, nah, not really. I wow, mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of usually <laughs> usually this is what I get. Usually it's the uh, yeah. oh my dad has this dope record collection. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, I, and I used to sit in the sit in the living room and listen to his stuff, and then we'd be on the and I'd be in the car and be playing some. Well, that's true though. See, my mom had a dope record collection. She just didn't do music herself. Oh, know? okay. So I had you know I, I listened to good records though you know. And so you go to school and you see instruments. And you're like, I want to play with those. Right, you know, I just want to mess with those and. um so they let, back then they would let you, uh, you know, try different instruments to see what you could do, uh-huh. and uh, ended up on tenor sax and started training like in uh, sixth grade or whatever when I was twelve or something. Like that. Sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So you were like really, um, what's the word? Um, you know, trained in the sense that you were taught how to. Like, yeah, I'm classically to write trained. Music, yeah. Classically trained. Yeah, I guess yeah, is, yeah. The, is the term. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did after that? Were you a part of a band or yeah, in high school? Yeah. No, the one with, yeah, all of them with the you know all of them with the patches. You know, I was the guy with the patches all over the jacket. You know, like, <laughs> you know, always all city this, all state that, whatever. You know, all the competition, UIL competition. So you're playing for the school too? I was for, playing for the school. For yeah, the school band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. See, I didn't. I didn't get that. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't have a band in France. We didn't have bands that like school bands you could play for and all that. Um, so when you started performing in Austin, like how, when did you get when did you get on the scene? Uh, I think uh, a lot of us kind of got out there real early. I went out when I was like fifteen years old. I, I joined a, a band that had my older brother in it. Um, and oh, okay. So we started playing in clubs, and they would let me in, you know, because I had uh, supervision from the other guys that were of age. Yeah, well, well cl- <laughs> here in Austin, right? Well, yeah, we started off playing, believe it or not, in all kind of private party, like backyards and stuff like that at first. And yeah. then uh, then we started playing on 6th Street. And um, I don't even think any of the clubs are still around except for maybe Maggie Mays might be the, which is not even the Maggie Mays anymore. It's really kind of so what, the what, drink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the drink. For you old school folks out there, the drink. Damn. Man. And, and so what, what were you, you were just doing sax at the time. You were not singing. You were not playing the keys. You were not doing. I was, I was playing sax primarily doing background, but I also played keys, secondary keyboards. The same so. thing? You were classically trained on that too? I trained myself on the keyboards, really. I didn't. How, uh, does, that, how does that work? What, well, there was know, no YouTube you, at the time. There was no. Yeah, yeah. You know, once you know music, the theory, and you go through the classic training, now you can apply because you've been playing in orchestras and stuff. You can understand the, the different clefts, the different parts. And so you kind of can tinker around on more than, you know, one instrument at, after a while, you know. So what what all can you play? What all did you learn then? Well, I mean, I played drums a lot. Uh, Around the same time? Bass. Like no, I learned them in different times, oh, different okay. orders, yeah. Um, and I play bass a little bit more now, and uh, keyboards, of course, percussion, uh, sax, all the saxes, and the flute, um, some trumpet, you know. Uh, but anyway, it, it's it's a uh, it's kind of weird. Just I don't play regular guitar though, which is kind of odd, you know. What do you so call regular guitar? Just regular lead guitar, you know. Like I play bass guitar, but okay. for whatever reason, I can't play regular. Is that lead something guitar. you want to learn? I do actually. I want to learn to play lead guitar, man. I, just I mean, you time. know everything else in the band. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well. I, want to learn. I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah. If it, if it's that, I know it was that hard of a jump from uh, bass to. It's it, it's not. It's just a like on bass. I'm not really, you know, exerting myself to like learn it the way I learn some of the other instruments I play. So I'm sure if I was 
spending more time on the bass, I play better guitar, but the fingering's very tight on guitar. All yeah. the strings are very close together. Right. And it feels weird for me to try to, to play like that, you know. See, like There's my, more pick action, too, going, so. My, uh, when I was growing up, and everybody, all my friends saw me play guitar, and I'm like, oh, I'll play guitar, too, you know. you know. Like <laughs> and then I, told, I begged my dad to buy me one, and I didn't know how to uh, read music. I just knew how to read the, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you call it. It was just the dots on the line. Right, right, And then right. where to put your fingers. Right, right. And my friend, my friend's like, all right, if you put your finger here, put your finger here, you'll play Enter Sandman. And if you put your finger in your right, finger yeah. here, you'll play um, some Jimi Hendrix stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. But I didn't know how to read or Right, write, right, you can't like read that. it, yeah. Did you, did you know how to, were you writing music at the time too or no? I mean, I read with on sax and... You know, that's I don't really read music on the other instruments as much because I since I started on sax, I'm used to reading all kind of sax music. Mm-hmm. But um, piano is very different. Like if you look at piano, there's like chords over other chords. Both hands are working simultaneously. It's a very right. different read, you know. So I don't read as much. Were you composing way. too? I am. I was always composing. Yeah, it's kind of just my thing. But um, but now what's cool is you can write everything. And the computer can can print it all out and, and, and chart it. It's crazy. So I don't have to. I'm lazy now. I don't have to learn. And uh, what was um, so? What, 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 did you have like a moment when you're like, okay, well, I've been doing this for so long. So now I want to take it professionally and really get into the business. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of every musician's dream starting right off. I mean, we were chasing a very different industry than than we have right now. Wait, who's we? Just all the musicians of that time oh, that okay. I was coming up, we just I collectively just speak of us, because we it's that's how it is. It's like a community. That's right. what I like about what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I was chasing a different, a, co- a totally different concept. What I was looking at was adults. The, the industry was adult. It wasn't really kids, you know. Uh-huh. So I, you were looking at a lot of fully developed, fully mature artists, you know. And so you kind of aspired to be like, I want to be that good. Like who? One day. <laughs> like who are you looking at? Well, I mean, you were looking at Stevie Wonder. You were looking at, you know, David Hath- Donnie Hathaway's. You were looking at Luther Vandross's. You were looking at. Oh, you're looking pretty high. You're looking at. <laughs> you're looking at Cold Blood. I mean, it was. It was just a, that time. Uh, you know, uh, Shalimar, Howard Hewitt, Rick James. I mean, you know, you were looking at some pretty ridiculous bad boys. You know, so you- Bob Marley's and. So you were singing Michael too, Jackson. or that came later? I was always singing, but just not as the, my primary thing. I was, you know, saxophone was my primary thing originally. You know? Right. So, so who ta- who taught you, or how did that come about? Because I, I I had Henry on on the show, yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and his thing, like he knew how to, he learned how to play all these instruments, and he was in, he was on the band. And then one day, well, something happened with the lead guy, and he was like, "Well, shit! If nobody wants to step up and sing, I will." And he that's realized that pretty he could much do my it. story too. I was playing, <laughs> playing in Porsche. The first, my first band was called Porsche, uh-huh. and uh, the guy that was the lead singer, he he ripped us off. What is it <laughs> with lead singers, money. dickheads? <laughs> what the? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, we had to like take him to court or something like that, you know, and. uh but anyway, you know, eventually they just like, hey, you know, go up there and sing, you know, some songs that 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 he was. Singing. How was that? Do you know what you were doing, or you're? I, I was already able to sing, but I just wasn't used to audience. So you know. Oh. So it's just so nervous as hell. Just or? more nervous and trying to learn what's going on on stage. There's still a lot of people out there that are amateur to me that don't know what's going on on stage, even though they're up, up front. But learning to understand the monitors, you know, 
Yeah. Understand what's playing back. You got to get that to sound correct for you. Um, just being a front man in general, which is different from just singing. Um, right. Know. And you have you have to conduct. Yeah. I mean, conducting you're conducting. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're kind of, you're leading and you're also, you know, reading what's happening. And so it's like a quarterback position, really. So I mean, it's 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 tough. Yeah. Uh, when I when I saw uh, Lauren Hill at Fun Fest this right. year, and she was conducting the Absolutely. whole band, and I was like, "Wow!" And on top of on top of singing and knowing your and that's right, we're doing pretty much and all of that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's rough. That is rough. Yeah. So your uh, first like official gig in Austin as a as a performer to where you're the front guy and you're Right, uh, right. You're the one leading. Like, how did that? How did that go? What first one was that? That was a long time ago, but that happened when there was a place called. Uh, I want to say. Go ahead. I've been here 16 years. Hopefully. I don't know. This is way back then because, like I said, I was really young. Sixth uh, Street Country Club or something like that. And it was wow. weird because they made it like a little bedrock looking place. It looked like Flintstones and stuff. It was like a very really? small inside. And that was on Sixth Street. It was on Sixth Street, and all the <laughs> outside was where all of the band and everything happened so yeah it was just like they just made this little weird caveman thing for the bar you know it was, it was really, really that's strange. a dope concept that could, that it was pretty cool <laughs> and uh like i said austin was heaven back then it's much different than people see now i mean i know people think it's pretty cool now and it's all right but back then it was it was really musical heaven for for musicians and so um that gig where i had to come out and take over and sing that's where it happened at that club and mm -hmm. it was just were you headlining or was it just, just all with my band? My, oh. my band, the band I was in, Porsche, okay. the same same beginning band, the first band. You know, that's when I got to come out and just start being the lead singer. At that point, that was, I would say. How did the crowd react? Was it what were you doing? Doing like R and B type thing? Jazz? Yeah, uh, funk back then was a thing. It was uh -huh. it was funk because it's funny. Like that's coming out of the whole Prince era. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> this is when. Dudes that thought they were cool wearing like jerry curls and, you know, androgynous shirts and going to school and looking like Prince and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So <laughs> was that is there um did you did you feel like you were like there was not there was no scene for funk and R and B at the time, maybe? No, no, I mean it was it was a huge scene. What we've got now is not a scene. Yeah. But we'll but, we'll, yeah. we'll get we'll get yeah. into that. Back then it was heaven. Like I I, I can only say that that way, really. I mean it was easy we to had everything, gigs, you know. Yeah, and everybody was. We had agencies, but the musicians weren't getting gigs for themselves. I mean, you know, there oh, was wow. there was people doing that for you. I mean, it was it was a completely different dynamic, which is one of the issues I speak about. You know, even with commission and everything, like you were talking about, just all the things I've done here, I speak yeah. about that methodology really being the only methodology that that formula that really works. You know? All right, we'll, we'll we'll get into all that uh, a little yeah. later in the show. Uh, let's get into uh, so. Then you jump behind the scene and you become producer and you're mastering and you're you're mixing, you're doing all of that all of that stuff, right? Yeah, I had a lot of mentors, man, like oh super okay. bad. I mean, again, in those bands that I was in and around, I mean what the mentors, man. <laughs> they're all rich now. What do you mean oh, what happened to them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone, you know. Uh, you know, some of them played with Prince, some of them, you know, went out and did their own thing. Some of them wrote for Jimmy Vaughn's and you know, so there's a lot of different people from then that I got to learn from. Brandy's first record, I got to sit in and watch on some of that. Uh, oh wow! So these are the cats that were training me. You know, these are my mentors, and I think Austin doesn't really know what's come out of here because they don't really cover urban. So that's what I'm saying. So no, the yeah. urban thing that you're covering is very important. And uh, I, my mentor, one of my main mentors, was Derek Edmondson, who 
plays sax on uh, all that stuff you hear on the first Brandy record. That's uh, that's Derek Edmondson, and uh, he let me go into the studio and be and really be witness to all this stuff. So it's people who are here. Yeah, at the time, right, they course, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were like they're from Austin, or yeah, they're they just, from here, uh, of course. Yeah. Oh, damn! I didn't know yeah, that was that yeah, kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, without showing scene. your age, you're talking yeah, what, Austin '80s. This is I came out in the '90s, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm coming out of the '80s, going into the '90s is when I came out into the street, and <laughs> but yeah, man, that's what it was like. I was catching the tail end of some real insane stuff, you know. There was a band called The Business, which I eventually, uh, took, you know, jumped on as the the last real elite singer that was there. Took mm-hmm. off and sang for Tower of Power for many years. So mm-hmm. everybody I'm speaking about, they went on to do. Major so what, what happened to you? How come you didn't catch? Austin the... is very different now. Like I said, after that, there really wasn't that scene. That scene no, no longer really exists. You know. Oh uh, man. So, so I mean, it's it, to us a lot of us that are musicians. We're not trying to be downers. We're just saying. Yeah, it's not that, and you know that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but at that time, stars were coming to see us. Okay, we didn't go. We didn't have to go chase them around because they were coming to Austin. Austin already had that. They were coming to Austin to map. watch the bands in Austin. Yeah, and yeah, see yeah. what happens, and take it and put it in their show when they go on the road. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And so when when you form, was it Neckbone? Yeah, Neckbone is a is a very recent creation. Yeah. Wait. So you had Neckbone. And then Funk Mob. So what was it? What was in between all of that? Uh, yeah, Taboo before Funk Mob. Um, again, like I said, the business was way back. Um, and after the business dissipated, Taboo was created, and some of my mentors were in there. And then they took off, and I took over singing. Usually, I would take over singing from one of the mentors. You know, every oh, okay. time they yeah, would, every yeah, time yeah. they would take off from a band, I would I would take over from that point on. You know, whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so I was in Taboo after that, and after Taboo dissipated, there was the Funk Mob, which uh, I created. But see, in between there, there's lots of bands, because these are all cover bands we're speaking about right now. Okay. And so there's these other projects that, like you said, Neckbone is is a, is an original group, you know, mm-hmm. something that's recorded. And I've always had my own records, so when you look back, you'll see records going way back, uh, because I've had recordings the entire time as mm-hmm. Terrell Shaheed. I didn't add the Shaheed till later, it was just Terrell at the, at the beginning. But um, all those records, they go all the way back to that time. You know, uh, I was putting them out, you know, since then. So why did you decide to join uh, Funk Mob? Again, Funk Mob was just an, an, another, a new change from Taboo, which but was right it, before. You know. But uh, your, Funk Mob is, is um, uh, a cover band, correct? Taboo was also a cover band. So it just it, went from one, you know. So you, well, you were jumping around between... Uh, cover band and doing your own thing, on, right? On the I always well. did my own. Yeah, that's, I, I guess that's what I was getting, thing at the same into. time. Right, man. And you were performing solo and all that stuff. Right, right. So I've had several record deals. You know, starting from Reynolds Music Group to Union Ave to uh, Inner Soul. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I'm working with Universal CMG. So that's always still going that that life. And I have fans that are all about my music. You know, yeah, whereas yeah. you you work for a paycheck for not to be mean, but a different kind of crowd that has a different type of thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you play for them just to get money, you know. That's that's the that's the, the methodology that was going on and still kind of goes on today, you know. So, what what was the idea behind uh Neckbone? Neckbone is a to me is a is a super group. You see super friends. You see Wu-Tang Clan. You like see Wu-Tang Clan friends. It's like <laughs> a bunch of badasses just in one spot that I handpicked because I was just fans of their 
of their music. And some of them even came to me and said, hey, you know, why don't we do something? And so eventually my original thought of Neckbone when I first thought of the name was going to be a completely a jazz band. Oh, wow. Well, how long ago was <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, so, I mean, when I thought of the band, that I don't know when that was. That was many years ago. When it actually formulated and became Neckbone was, um, I would say, was that 2009 or 2000, yeah. something like that? 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so that was probably the beginning of Neckbone. We started, I started working with James Lang and uh, Cooley Fly, who I still work with. Did you have a specific vision for it, or it just kind of happened organically? It happened organically because my remember my original vision was a jazz band, so this yeah. is far from a jazz band. And then so. you had a rapper on, and you got you know. No, nah, I mean I just never created the jazz band. Um, <laughs> it it just never happened. It turned into what it is, which is a funk hop group, really. You know, how you uh, call it funk hop? Funk hop, yeah. I mean, it's a good way to understand it because it's not like we don't really dig pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. content or, or depth or otherwise so southern music doesn't even sound like that anyway so the south is real like we missed pimp c ugk you know sure. that kind of stuff. and the funk you know the g funk you would hear all the funk so they're really talking about a lot of gut bucket down south type of stuff sounds that mm-hmm. if you translate that into a, a kind of a hip-hop it has its own complete flavor you know it sounds like blues and hip-hop and funk and all that, you know, kind of in, in one bucket. And then we have all these rappers that sound completely different. None of them sound alike. Yeah. And, you know, I figured it would be one place where we don't have to be solo artists. Mm-hmm. Every last person in this band is a solo artist, you know. But on your solo stuff, your fans expect a, a certain thing. Quality. Otherwise, it would be, they wouldn't think it was you. They would, you know, they would, be like that's not a Terrell yeah. so he sings what is he doing on? so we created a, a, a central super friends you know band basically that just you do whatever you want in here and there's not a rule you know to you don't have to sound like anything on your record in fact mm-hmm. we're intentionally making sure it doesn't sound like any of our records really you know and it's a space where we're, people can really express however they want to express with no filter you know no Nothing, you know, just let it let it fly. You know? Is that something that was um, happening in other cities? Maybe no, no. I mean, it was just something I wanted to do because I loved Outkast. Yeah. I love Goody Mob. You know, I love these types of groups. You know, right, and right, I was right. like, you know, Outkast was kind of already growing out of their thing. They're going into other stuff, and and so I was like, really, I love this South. We got to have some South, you know, South. <laughs> <laughs> got to represent. <laughs> You got to have some South, man. So, you know, we kind of, we had D Madness, uh, you know, me and he and I, we just, we How long have you known right him? Again. How long have you known D Madness? Uh, Bavu brought me to D Madness, actually. You know, um, I don't know how long ago that was now. But I, after we met, it was just like, dude, this is, this is joint right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I saw, like, the whole format of hip-hop with a band. I mean, everybody knows the roots, of course. Right, 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 for sure. Right, but I remember, like, as far as local, it was when I used to go to Hip-Hop Hum Day. Yeah, yeah, Back baby. in the day. Yeah. And I think that's the first time I saw D-Manus was Right, he was, was playing with them. Yeah. Um, that's how I got on because I was, you know, I was actually going to see Bavu at Hip-Hop Hum Day and I was going to check him out. I, I met T-Double there, I think. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Mirage. I met a lot of cats. 
from. I mean, that was like the you know yeah. I just met a, a bunch of cats because that was kind of the first. Um, you know, let me first just say all that was possible because I, I had to give a shout out to Overlord. A lot of people don't know about the history of that. You'll see me kind of backing them up a lot of times and write music for them. They wouldn't even allow that in Austin. When we came along, really? there wouldn't have been, you couldn't have put a hip hop nothing in nowhere. <laughs> that was, that was, that was live. And the reason why they even started doing it was Overlord had come to the conclusion that he just needed to put a band with himself mm-hmm. because Austin is band based, you know, right. and, and it was band based. I mean, there was no, right now y'all see shot bar, shot bar, DJ, DJ, DJ. That is not Austin, Texas. It was just, Live music venue, live music venue, live music venue, live music venue, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Live music venue shot bar, live music venue, you know. So at the end of the day, we, we realize, okay, well, how do you get in? Well, you know, they'll allow it. They're scared of the what they thought hip-hop or rap was. Yeah. So, but if you have a band, all it's, of like a sudden, it's a music, it's a loophole, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's music, right? Well, because it worked out with Overlord, you know, they would entertain the thought of a hip hop hump day. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and once they and, and then once they, they saw it, right? And once they got it in, and believe it or not, none of that stuff took off right away. You, a lot of people don't get that. Even Boombox, same thing. Those things went on for a couple of years before they actually caught and made a like the whole these huge crowds would yeah. start showing up. They played probably the first year, and it was almost empty all the time. You know. So a lot of the venue owners around here are mistaken. When they come in, they saw all that already full blown, mm-hmm. blowing out. It's packed out. They want to try it in their venue, and if it didn't work the first week, <laughs> they were done. They didn't, and then no one ever asked how yeah. long did it take for that crowd to be there. You know, what I'm I saying? mean, it, it took me, <laughs> it took me seriously about yeah, about a year or two to, to actually find out about it. For real. I mean, it took a lot of people. See, because in Austin, why does it take us so long? This is, why, again, why your show is the bomb. It takes us so long because we didn't have shows like this. You know, it, it, it takes, they're not going to publicize it in Austin. They have a very, you know, I'll just straight up call it racist. Um, it's a problem. They don't really. There's, they, a, there's a stigma to it. There's a stigma show. to saying, yeah. What, and be, and that there's reasons for it because we got too many of them ghetto shows. And I think that those are presented more often than a full-on D-Madness, full band, mm-hmm. Terrell Shaheed, a Bavu, or a T-Double kind of concept, which is way more organic and way more friendly to a larger audience of people. Exactly. However, everything is about doing 30 dudes on a show with a mic and a DJ mm-hmm. and calling that the, the, the Austin Urban Dynamic. And we're kind of frustrated in the streets about it musically because we don't have a platform where people can say, I can find out about that quickly. Um, they may find out about it through the through the grapevine. Yeah, and that grapevine takes about a year to get around. It's no, it's thing. true. I mean, I remember um, when people remember Boombox. Yeah, back when it was at Lucky, and and when it first started, it was nothing. I, like, I know, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't, yeah. but it was, yeah. at at the time, like people remember. It was Tuesday night, Lucky Lounge, and Manny was next door at Fez. Right, and people would go back and forth. Right, and then, um, like I don't. What was it before that? I'm trying to remember. It was still them. Like I said, it took them, by the time y'all were coming, it was a scene yeah. then. That's why I said, because you're coming to a full-blown scene already. You're not ever, you weren't but, there. And like I said, but at the beginning, when it was completely all improv, all improv, there was no 
songs. It was just completely them making up everything right there. They had this bass player named Shabin that was on the uh, on the gig at that time. Just sick. Um, and I would go, and all the musicians went at that time because mm-hmm. we were looking at real creativity, and it was it was a, it wasn't it wasn't a nose scene. I call it. You know, it was it was a scene of like organicness, real hardcore musician stuff going on in there. Eventually, it turned into them being really the background noise to a scene, quote unquote, of people just kind of going around half paying attention. But right. uh, and they kind of changed it. Eventually, they added a lot of different MCs. They they, they had and originally it started off with a guy named uh, 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 James Spear, who nobody knows who that is that, that thinks they know about the Boombox Saga. But he's the original. Guy for that Tuesday night coming in, creating stuff on the spot on his keyboard, got kicked off his own gig, okay? <laughs> and it ended up being what you guys saw later on. Yeah, and then, yeah. then uh, John Porter took over as one of the front men. Carlos Sosa, it's his group. And after after James Spear, I guess, got chopped. And so it grew into then. You saw T-Double eventually. You saw Overlord. You saw... Uh, uh, Trey God. Trey was on. You yeah, started right. to see more and more. But this is way like this is years down <laughs> down the road that, that everybody's talking about when it was, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't the beginning. That was just when it was already well, a scene, you know. I mean, to go to go back to what you're saying, by the no. way, uh uh Panda is in the, is in a chat. Oh, like, shout my out. man, shout out Panda the Panda BJ. Vinci. Yeah, baby. Um to go back to what you're saying, so at the time yeah, it was hard to actually get some kind of hip hop gig, and you guys found yeah. a loophole in the system, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, as much as before used to be live music joint, live music joint, live music yeah, joint, all live music, yeah. right? You look at today, yeah, wow, wow, and it's it's total opposite, totally the opposite. I mean, I'm glad I that's had, an opposite city to us, you ex- know? exactly. Yeah, and uh, let, 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 let's just get it. Let's just get into this because I think this is what um, you know everybody's talking about, at least I, I love to talk about this because yeah, a lot of people it, it's, are on it's it right frustrating. Now. Yeah. And, um, and also the reason why we're having this party on Saturday, yeah. I want it's a five year, but I really want to do something for the big scene. anniversary and you're doing something for the scene, which is the, the bomb. You know? I mean, so today, if you look at, you can't really look at Sixth Street anymore. That's the problem. And oh, that's yeah. What, we, we don't even want to be there half the time. It's exactly. just like half the time. We're like, no. No, I mean, I, I talk, <laughs> when I had a Mark from uh, the, uh, one of the owners from uh, from Vulcan. Right. Um, he was saying that, and Bobby Garza was saying the same thing, is that, you know, bringing the live music on Sixth Street, it's kind of a hard thing now because you have all these kids. One, they don't want to pay to go to get anywhere. They haven't, they haven't grown up on this. Exactly. They don't it's, know what it's like. And what, yeah. and. They, they're used to you just hearing top forty left and right. Then you yeah, go to this bar and then that bar and that yeah. bar and that bar. And you go to five bars in one night, right? And then that's bar it. hopping. That's it. That's that's exactly. the end of it, right? So, but yeah, but in, in, in a way, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a weird thing because on one end you have places like Sea Boys that open up, right? That's you have one to one bar, and they kind of like off. So like you know, the kind of music you would. You you kind of want to be like, well, we're playing music for grown folks, right? For, for, for pretty much, are are either a grown soul, okay, a grown intellect. Because really, the ages have always been all the way from eighteen to sixty. You know yeah. what I mean? But there's something about educated, mature people 
which we which we just say grown folk. You know, like you say, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm part of it. It's just now. <laughs> grown folk. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's people that want to go out because liquor can be sold anywhere. That's not special. Yeah. So the so the intellectual person, they go out and they actually go for the event or they go for the actual show that who's performing or they go to get some of the entertainment that's in the building. Right. Rather than just go to the bar and find out if they can get some free drinks and go to the next bar, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, they they have responsibilities. So they right. get the babysitter. They get right. they, they do date nights. And yeah. then they drink it all. They get all decked out. And they, they go get to ready. dinner. Yeah. And then they go down. They go to one the one bar. Yeah, the they boys, go good, you and, know. Enjoy a show and go home and whatever. Right. So, and, but everybody wants to be on that. Let me, let me get that 18 to... 30 or 18 to 20 or 18 to 35 crowd. Right, right. And that's what's on 6th Street. Right, right. And so, but as far as the hip-hop scene, right. hip-hop scene goes, um, you feel like it's even harder now than it was back then? I don't even think there is such a thing as a hip-hop scene. Yeah. What there is is there's places that do hip-hop on certain nights. Yeah. In certain months. So if, you, if you're up on game... <laughs> And like you, you're and still you, laughing about it. I'd be you, bad as hell if I were and you. And if you happen to be in the loop, maybe you know feedback. <laughs> yeah. If you happen to know somebody who will tell you, you'll be at the hip hop show. But you know, if other than that, you know, I, there's not a place you can say that just that's as a rule that you know they're gonna promote yeah. that. You know. But see, one thing uh, I forgot who I was talking to is just recently. Um. One thing I noticed about the the the, the hip hop scene, at least, mm-hmm. is that every every show you go to, yeah, you find the same folks. Right. Whether you it's an SKP joint or it's a um, uh, legal extraordinary. Right. Right. Yeah, you find. All, yeah. Right. You pretty much find the same folks. I mean, in the crowd. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like um, if you make it a straight up like hip hop bill, then it's kind of still working within itself it's not really branching out no because what like what my company does like uh, like i said your company does a little bit of something what my company does is what they fear in austin texas and i'd kind of put that if y'all look online you'll see when we did neckbone open for devin the dude and antone several Mm -hmm. years back that was in that was in response to the city telling me that there wasn't an audience for it okay so what I did was I showed them with very little money. When, they, when you saw Helix and you saw Raw, mm-hmm. when you look on that video, you'll see that those are the sponsors of that show with a very small budget, not with a lot of money, man. Just enough to pay for just a few publications, mm-hmm. just to get it in certain spots. Don't do 512s, just to get it in 360. Right. Just to get it in West Austin's site. The place was full at 8 o'clock. Man. From the front to the back. And Antone's was big, if you know where the old Antone's yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. We were over capacity. You can see it in the video. Just from doing and, that. And that was, yeah, just a little bit of marketing, which I call the word cross-marketing. Sure. Okay? The problem with most people is they believe that they market to this kind of, like you're from Houston, they're used to all, there's a lot of black people in Houston. Uh-huh. So they think when they come to Austin, well, we don't have the demographic for that, mm-hmm. that they're going to, they're going to, Market to just, you know, black people. Or you're going to market to just. And, and this is not how Austin works. If you go to reggae fest, it's going to be filled with white people. Exactly. Uh, you, you're, you have to understand the cross market. And it's like you said, I've been here since I was two years old. So I fully understand Austin's cross market uh, dynamic. 
And that's why I open the door for people and let them, when they bring me a project, I say, listen, if you want your project to make the most money, give us a little bit of money so that we can cross this thing mm-hmm. so that everybody can see it. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be packed. Well, know? to take it one step further, right. um, that's that's great. But I think that if on the bill itself you had, yeah. okay, you had some hip-hop acts, then you had, you know, of a, a band that does it's not straight up hip hop just straight up on yeah you're right yeah, it's it something else oh, definitely so helps. something that like when I see the, for sure some of the some of the bands that play on Red River whether it's Swan Dive it's right. uh, you know Empire and be like okay well let's put together a show where you, you'll you have you know Magna Carta play with I can't I don't, I don't know I don't have a name off the top of my head but one uh, of those bands that right. that might fit with Magna Carta right. and that way you bring in these two crowds together and right. like oh shit I didn't know about Magna Carta right. because I'm a, I was a fan of that band now I know right but when you look at the bills at, at, at some of those shows it's the same bands you see the same groups you see over and over over and over that's right and it's not helping it doesn't help they they know that there's people like myself out there there's others out there that understand how to put these shows together properly and we also know how to spend money in the right place to market it right but i think it's a sabotage that they always seem to want people to believe that hip hop means only this or urban means only this you know because i believe i'm like dude this it, it really doesn't mean that it doesn't even have a color really when you start no, to understand, and this is Austin. This, this is, is Austin, right? You know, <laughs> this is Austin. This sound. This right. is not Atlanta, <laughs> right? This is for real. I mean, it just doesn't have that. And but the powers that be don't understand it. The well, streets it was, understand it fine, but the the powers that are over these venues, the people that are over the platforms that would get it to television or get it to to radio, our average rock guy does a gig, okay, without paying even a dime. Mm-hmm. There's a four or five stations that are gonna just talk about their playing a gig, right? Okay, that's a platform. I mean, like let's like you know that we don't have five stations that are gonna you know start talking about the gig you know just on the fly without even you know. No, but what, when you uh, see like uh, who was it? Uh, that, that's a whole other level. That's a whole other level. But you feel you know. But but I mean, even even the people, if the people in it, right? The people. I'm not talking about the powers that be. The the yeah. owner, the, the 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 bars. That's one thing. Right. But if you actually had the artists themselves actually branch out and go to a sh- like a non hip hop, not urban, non urban show, and you know talk to the bands themselves and say, hey, I you know I saw your thing, I like what you're doing. This is what we do. Maybe we could work together and make something happen. Well, they that do that way- all the time. It's still different than getting the gig because the venue owners brought in. You well, can't yeah. exclude them. And 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 venue owners, what will happen is their rock show, they'll promote a lot. Mm-hmm. Their hip hop show may not have promotion at all. It may just only have the but, flyer on their website. Or, or but if whatever. you do both in one show, right? Then you're you're you got both. But but you can't do it because you still got to use a venue. So the venue has to eventually agree with these th- these thoughts, these concepts. They have to understand that when you present them with it, mm-hmm. they don't understand. Is what I'm saying, or they pretend not to understand. But at the end of the day, you're still your hands are tied. That's why I, I opened a venue at one point. And I had bad partners, and I was very sad about it still to this what was day. It? What was that? One fifteen, which is now Brass House, was was mine. Okay. I built it from the you know in the pipes up, and yeah. it still looks mostly like the way I built it out. But um, but at the end of the day, I had my partners with me, and one of my partners were still we're still very good. The other ones, they were not understanding what you know they didn't have the same investment in the long term thoughts. They weren't from here. They didn't understand the importance of this venue thing I'm talking about because. Mm-hmm. 
then I can control. I'm the venue. <laughs> so I'm allowed to put the shows however we want to put the shows. If right, two bands right. want to get together, I'll agree, and I'll even try to help promote, which is what I believe the old Austin was like. The The venue promoted itself. It it didn't ask for artists who are playing in several bands and on the and played five gigs this week to try to do their marketing for them, which is impossible, by the way. I get it, but, but, but I mean, the way... The way you're presenting it, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a okay. Well, it's the venue's fault that we can't do that. It's a lot of people's fault, but it is heavily the venue's fault. It's heavily the venue's fault. Everybody has some fault. Yeah, but it's heavily because undercapitalization is a problem in business 101 mm-hmm. in, in college, and it doesn't change in venues either. Um, to to really be any kind of entity, you need to have enough money to not just be open and sell and turn dollar for sure. you actually have to have enough money to invest in your marketing uh, plan and scheme above and beyond. And that is missing in Austin venues in general. I think almost every band would agree that there's a, there's a huge gap between them trying to do everything themselves. And there's only so much they, they really can get away with being uh, poor musicians that aren't paid very highly at, at that, you know? So, I mean, We've got we've got some real starving artist things going on right now. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's, that, it's not it's not yeah it's the no bar- joke. The, the barriers are way it's uh, different today. Yeah, way stronger than they used <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, when Bobby was on the show from Transmission, it was like, yeah, I was a musician back in the day, and they'd walk up to a bar owner and say, hey, can I have a residency? And then they give, them, okay, here's Tuesday night, you know. But now it's like, if I'm opening a bar, and if I wanted to be a live music venue, I gotta get the sound. I gotta get the PA. You need to I really get gotta do a lot of this. That's right. A lot of money, <laughs> and and, you, and depending on where you are, you're not sure whether or not you know this is this will this will it, pan it's out. It's very scary for the people that aren't from a used you know an old school Austin thinker. You know they they yeah. they'd rather be a little safer and and go with the, just a DJ, a little bar, a little shot. Yeah, you I mean know. it's cheaper. <laughs> I'm from a business standpoint. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm just seeing. I see it both ways. You yeah, know, I've yeah, been, I understand where where they're coming from. But I think I I, I want to be as as much as this bad shit going on, and as there is this disconnect. It is a huge disconnect. I want to I want to believe that. Um, well, one today we do have you know groups like. You know, Ham and and AMP and people, definitely the, the Music Foundation and all that, um, that act, they're actually you know representing the interests of the of the music community. Yeah, and, and I've been part of that too. I actually was one of the very first um, things. Me and T Double um, made one of the very first multiple um, nonprofit events where not just one of them was being represented, but two or three nonprofit organizations were holding a single event. And I think we did it on a Tuesday night and it held the record for attendance, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so believe it or not, I mean, this, they've been going forever. Awesome music foundation, ham, all this stuff has been going on yeah. forever. It's taken a lot of time again for, for money to bring them up to a, a, a point where they can function at the way that they're functioning now. It's been a very big struggle for them to, to get to that but point. You were a commissioner. Right. How long were you a commissioner? I was commissioner for about three years. I think it was 2009 to 2012, maybe. Well, that's so recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So have you seen, so you got to see, you know, the politics out of it. Right. And as well, you got to see the music side of it as a musician. Right, right. So 
do you feel like that there's been progress in that regard or is it is it still pretty I know I it takes whatever I know it takes time sorry yeah. I know it takes time but you know cross your fingers and you you think hope <laughs> like, Yeah you do I don't want to get start airing out too much dirty laundry no, down at the fine. city hall y'all know I'm on the radio I hope y'all are listening <laughs> and that I'm holding my tongue y'all better you know respect that but um at the end of the day there's a lot of dirt going on down there too that's preventing uh, a lot of things from happening. Yeah. I, I encourage everybody to research what the state is doing. You guys that don't believe that politics touches you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're struggling as a musician right now. Some, some DJs even, uh, it, it is a lot going on around you that you need to be aware of and, and know that if we were aware of it more often, if it wasn't just me sitting here talking about it and trying to convince someone to go look, probably more would happen because there's a lot going on. There's been money sent to Texas and sent back. That's yeah. for for you guys out there. I mean, there's a lot going on that you don't know about because they, people don't believe politics. Oh yeah, yeah, is, yeah, is important to their life. Well, and then they, they get elected, and we right. elect them. It's not like we, we're yeah. not doing anything. And then and then we don't go to the table to talk about it. Well, he, okay, you know. here's here's yeah. how I present I presented it uh, yeah. to a friend just this past weekend, yeah. is that. In Austin, you have all these different players. Right. You got the musicians. You got city council. Right. You got the nonprofits, and then you got then you got the venue and the owners and staff, and then you got music fans. Right, right, right. right? And everybody, all these players, look at Austin and be like, "Yeah, we're the live music capital of the world. I think we're gonna be all right." That's what they thought. Yeah. A lot of us thought that. Exactly. When I was begging everybody to show up, and they were looking at me like, <laughs> I heard literally those words you were saying, man, Terrell, they ain't never going to touch this. They're never going to message, make it too much money. Never gonna... And look, I told you. I mean, those of y'all that are out there, I got to tell you I told you so. Um, because you're not down there and you don't realize how dangerous it really was. Right. You know, you got developers with big dollars coming into your city, you know, that needed to be residential. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, but if, if you don't show up to the table like the bike lane people, if you don't show up like the save a tree people, uh-huh. if you don't show up like them, shout out to AMP st- man. Stuff gets <laughs> stuff. Stuff gets jacked. I'm just, I'm just right. But, but but up until and I know like some it's, like you said some of those battles have been going on for years. They've been going on for a while. Yeah. But I think that this just hasn't been. And I forgot the media is one of the players too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems that. They have all these disconnects, and it feels like nobody's really. Everybody's saying, "Well, fuck the developers who come into town and and and, yeah. and building stuff." Okay, okay, that's your that's your take. That's your take. Right? Okay, so <laughs> the de- developers are like, "Well, shit, we're moving in. We got the money, and then we can we move the in right behind of we're creating other jobs, run behind Mohawk, right, right, and then right. we're building the city. Right. And this is awesome." And then there, there's ne- no, I don't want to say never because it, it is happening. You know, okay, well, at least let's sit across the table and figure out because it's good to talk shit right. when you're you're not talking. Like, oh, fuck these people. Right, fuck yeah, these when people. You, until it's time and, to and, go and, show up. And <laughs> when I had Bobby from Transmission on, he was like, when you have to sit across from <laughs> from someone have, right. and, and, and tell them to their face, right. fuck you, or right. this is why I'm mad, right. it's a whole different it's dynamic. A whole different, and he knows because he's been there. Exactly. Transition was there. I can tell you they were there because I was there. But not too many other people that they'll tell you I was there because yeah. they know I was there. You know, Moody knows I was there and they know I did do that. What you're talking about is one of the reasons I'm not on the commission to this to this day, because when they ask you to give them a real answer and you give them a real answer, sometimes they don't like that real answer. And it could offend them. It could it, it could sure. make them upset. 
But then I don't have anybody to keep my neck from getting chopped off because they asked me, where's my constituents? Okay, for those who us need to know what constituents means, it just means where are your people? Where Where is the... Is this just a Terrell concept or just a Terrell idea? Mm-hmm. Or is this really, are there really musicians that believe this? You know, behind you, we had Save Austin music back then. Yeah. And we did show up one time at City Hall with 300 plus, you know, people. And that was it. One time. We, 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 we did it once. And that was one of the problems is that we, did, we couldn't consistently show up and, and kind of be present at all of the, the different decisions and hearings and so on. It, it kind of... You know, it's boring stuff. It's not something that musicians get up every day and well, think. Well, no. And, and, you know. and, and you saying at the time there were agencies that did this? No, now you're going to another time. I'm talking about way back when, yeah, when, way when back, it was yeah. hot. You know, when yeah, everything yeah. was. Yeah, because you didn't do it yourself. And musicians that sucked, you couldn't get on. You're going to have to work it out and get a little bit better and get your shows. And that made it to where it was very attractive for bands that really garage bands, we'll call them. Yeah. To just be hired for almost nothing once the agencies were not there you know, controlling a certain amount of buildings and a certain amount of venues in their, in their booking mm-hmm. so that you got t- you had tier bands, you had grade A tier, B tier, C tier bands and bands that were just coming into the agency and they groomed you as you went through the, to the tiers to make sure you had everything you needed to do bigger and bigger shows. Um, you know, not just your style, whatever that was, you know, making that very clear, um, how many, you know, how you were going to put your show together, run it together smoothly and seamlessly, timing it correctly for the venue. Right. Um, understanding your sound and lighting, per- eventually buying your own sound and lighting, like you were saying, making you more available for more gigs. Uh, there really was a structure, in other words, for, for bands going through this process. And, of course, the ones that want quick action with no learning, they don't like that process. But that process really kind of helped keep everything very high-end, the price point was just a known thing by the venue owner. You just know to to get a band at this level, mm-hmm. I pay this much money. That's that, you know. When the, when bands are negotiating their own deals <laughs> with venues, it's, it, it doesn't seem to turn out good. I would say ninety percent of the time, you know. Shit, you know. See, so, I, I, when, when people start taking um, shit for granted, right? And I was one of them. I, I had a little attitude back then. I'm like, I'm not gonna sit here and, and play <laughs> like I had a little too because. I was in heaven, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I had a little attitude, you know, I mean, I didn't think nothing could happen, you know, I was like, man, you know, we should be getting this, and and I'm telling my agent, you know, I'm playing too many nights, imagine that, you know, man, we're working too hard, man, we need, you know, so, you know, I'm making the same money as Dell people and Motorola people and all that kind of stuff, and driving nice cars, living in nice stuff, and I think we just never thought it could ever be touched. You know, we kind of had a little attitude, I think, you know, back then. Yeah, we get we get the whole, um, you know, outcry when there's an article <laughs> about a venue cl- shutting down that was like a, you know, a hallmark of Austin. We've and, lost a lot of them. I know. And yeah. and, and people are like, oh, we're losing another one. I'm like, well, when was the last time you went? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and if we don't pay attention, you know, it's going to be... Absolutely. It's going to be gone. But I, I, I think that... I I want to I want to be positive. That's no, we, we I think it is positive though to tell people take action is very important. Right. I mean, you have to whether you like whether you just want to play your instrument and write and that's it. That's probably not going to be enough to to keep your scene together. You're going to have to like go get involved in crap that's kind of a yeah. little bit on the political tip. You may actually have to go 
get into you know or organize things you know um well here's no but, our but, companies you may have to support feedback in urbanian so that they can represent you in the future i mean you know it's gonna have to be some normal business stuff to happen yeah and like i said and all these players that i just mentioned earlier right will have to work together because if if tomorrow nashville takes over or portland mm-hmm. takes over and then austin is just this new you know, Dallas. Yeah, well, they've had the same problem in Nashville. What's interesting, man, this really? is going on across the country. You understand? Oh, wow. People have moved. You shouldn't ask some of the guys that we mentioned recently. They've moved all over. Atlanta's, L.A.'s, New York's. The issue is actually happening everywhere right now. And that's why it's a huge deal right now. You can move anywhere you want. And the gentrification, the condos are going sure, up. Sure. It's all the same. Eventually, it looks like almost all the cities are going to have the same uh, you know, Same tone look. and feel, right? Yeah, 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 you know, and but could we be grandfathered in? Yes, but those of you who don't understand that term, grandfathered in, that's what Moody and them were doing at transition. That's what Stubbs was doing, being at the table all the time through the whole process of the political process, to where they're actually included in the development, mm-hmm. you know, as part of those buildings. Included right. in, if you're on the outside looking in, look if you're not if you're not at the table. You're what's on the menu. That's just straight up. <laughs> put that on the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, put that on your shirt and wear that. Because that's the truth. You know. No, but it, it, it's um it's frustrating. But what what I like, what I've been seeing and what I like now is that as much as yes, every bar on Sixth Street is pretty much the same, um, you do have your C boys, your one to one. Right, you have uh, some people to steal. You still. have to stay gold. You have so there's, there's pockets that are right. kind of, um, uh, and I can't forget Flamingo, which is still on Sixth yeah, Street. Flamingo. Flamingo Cantina is still holding on. Y'all support them. Yep. So in that sense, I want to stay positive because we uh, let me put it this way: we have an opportunity in Austin because we are the live music capital of the world. Da 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 da. Blah blah blah. We have the big festivals. We have all right. that good stuff. Awesome. That I don't think we'll ever have a huge problem with those people. So it can. We almost didn't have them. One I know. Year. I know. I know. I know. It was threatened. <laughs> even fun fest. It was very close was one close. year for us not having some of those. Yeah, actually, that, yeah. That, that that is true. But yeah. I, I'm saying as far as um, if, if tomorrow uh, something happens to ACL. And there's no ACL. Mm-hmm. I think there'd be big enough of a movement, not just from people from Austin, but from all over the country, to be like, "No, fuck this. We want an ACL, so we do whatever it takes." It's because possible. it is ACL. It's possible. It's right. possible that. But if you think about what happens in between, you think about the scene here, mm-hmm. and you're not, you're not paying attention to what's going on, and people are coming to Austin every single day, right? And one of the main thing on. The brochure is Austin is great. Austin is nice. Austin is cheap. Austin has live music out of the world. Right. So and, that, have, and that's really only there because it was really in not just a slogan. Yeah. I can tell you as a commissioner, it's actually supposed to be part of our doctrine here. In, in, in the guy who created Austin, uh-huh. it, he wanted never to hurt or harm the music, and he wanted to make it always be the, the live music capital. If he was alive, he would be very disappointed as, as to I'm what sure. has happened. I am sure. Um, because now it's just a slogan. It's not really, it's not what they've done. It, it's what, you know, it's it, it's kind of become what the developers want in 
since mo- not too many people, like you said, know how to operate live music venues, um, they just kind of allow it to just be whatever, uh, you know, whatever people are comfortable with, you know, opening uh-huh. up in Austin. So, but it's 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 also the people who actually live here and the people who are coming here, who are. I think we have an opportunity to be like, okay, well, this is what Austin's about. Right. You know, we got to have, we got to help define you it. You saw it. You saw it on right. a brochure. You see it in the top 10, top five cities to right. live in. You see all these things. And now we're like, we have to represent. It's good. Yeah, you're right. We have to find a way to show them. This is what you were trying to come to see. Exactly. It's not just South yeah. by ACL. No, because it, South by was every night when, when heaven was here. You know, that was <laughs> talk about heaven. It was Austin was heaven. <laughs> I mean, you can't if for a musician, you can't lie. I mean, Austin was heaven. I believe you. It, 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 you played every night. I mean, you had there was there was so many venues. It was just it was impossible. You could play the same city and not hit the same place once for a whole month and come back. You know, it's just yeah. like it's incredible. It was incredible, and you, you you just it's hard to imagine it if you didn't live through it. You know, but um, but imagine going from that to this. It, it, it's a, it's a huge blow, and there's still that many bands out there. No, there is, and there's not that many venues. It's still so you are, you already didn't have enough venues, even when it was like full on, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so now we've even got more bands <laughs> and nowhere to play. <laughs> So, you know, it's funny you know, that you laugh. I mean, it. I can't help it. You got to You got to laugh because you can't, you know, like the math is so outrageous. Right. But so someone like me who wants to get I want the investors to put their money where their mouth is. That's where I'm at. I'm going with this. There, there's a lot of rich people here. Yeah. OK. They say they like it. They say they want it. I say put your money behind it. You know, fund someone who understands venues. And, and you know, there's more than just me. It's not just, you know, yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. there's more people that know what to do, how to run a venue, how, what kind of money is truly needed to, to market for that venue for a year and a half, two years. So, you know, there's people that they could be backing uh, that could be opening, you know. I see, I, I, I see your thing, but, right. like, I think you're putting – I understand the, the responsibility of the venue itself, but I think it is all those players. And I didn't say it wasn't all those players. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, but it, I'm using and everywhere. There's no yeah. or in my in my speech. Okay, it's so it's it is the people. But I, I will tell you that you cannot do it without the venue supporting itself. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm going to tell okay, you. Okay. I mean, as a fact, I mean a mathematical fact. Sure, I mean, sure. it just you can't. They can't do it for you. I'm just going to tell you it has to be the venue has to has to be the main. We end up playing in a park somewhere. Even that we can't do. <laughs> right. Think about it. You let we let parking go. I mean. It's a, it's a lot going on right now, and each one of those things is a factor for sure. But I would start with get a competent person at a venue point because they're going to know what it takes to make it go, which means you won't be undercapitalized. Yeah. And it means the bands will be able to be marketed without because they don't have money to market themselves like that. That's the whole point. They, they, they have a lot of them are – they don't have funds to go do this for the venue. So the venue, has, if they take care of a certain amount of that, which is it's only good for their own business. Period. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense not to do and, it. And they're the and, ones who can actually. They're the platform. Yeah, the platform. Yeah, exactly. That is the platform. So you know, otherwise, and the same with music, um, radio stations. At one point, there was a lot of radio stations for yeah. sale. Okay, but none of the investors bought them. You know what I mean? So again, if you bought the radio stations, then you can put what kind of programming you you, you want to put on each one of those radio stations. Uh-huh. Country, they have they'll have four or five in most yeah, cities. Rock, same thing. Rock will have four or five. We'll find that one urban station in a lot of places, a single one. And we do need to get more like Houston or Dallas, where we in the sense that we need to have more of them 
and not just more of them, but more that will actually represent at least one hour a day local. Because see, a lot of the other, when you go to other cities, they'll have this time, even if it's in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. It'll be a, a, a little short time at some point where it's all about that city. You know, it's like, you know, you're here in Houston. I'm hearing symbolic joints in Dallas yeah. during that hour that you don't ever even get to hear on the major, you know, radio. No, so, I mean, there's definitely uh, the ball was dropped a, a while back and, and all all these players, the media, the politics, all of the it. venues, yeah. the musicians, and the, the, the people of Austin, uh, there needs to be a connect. And I think that um, it needs to happen. I, 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 we're hopeful. You're, hel- you're helping connect it, though. I'm trying. I'm trying to do my part. I mean, that's what I believe in. Like, I, I mean, that's what I said. I mean, I believe that more organizations like this, you know, they need to <laughs> to, to try to do it, you know. <laughs> I need a – if I could do this full-time, that would be awesome. And you should be able to. That's what I'm saying. I just think somebody should be funding that right now. Well, somebody fund uh, – I have ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking for an hour already, man. Uh, see, look at that. See? No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Um, we're going to get – well, one, I want to get uh, some plugs and shout-outs uh, from you, and then uh, we'll talk about the party and we'll play one of your songs. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to shout-out to all you musicians out there that, that are struggling right now, you, and you, you're great, awesome musicians. There's too many of you to name. You already know what's up. It's, it's Shahid, you know, the family. Um, the Soul Sessions, uh, Shahid Soul Sessions, SSS, it's going to be doing it at the, the Vulcan uh, Gas Company, man, with feedback. And, uh, you know, you should be there. We're going to hit from 11 to midnight. Yeah. And uh, But Riders Against the Storm, what's up? Shout out to you. Y'all Y'all see some of your homeboys in my group. Um, so, and I mean, it's a, it's a party, man. I mean, every musician, every musician, you, you should be there um, at this, you know. Uh, where can you find your stuff? Twitter, Facebook, Reverb Nation? Or? Yeah, you can find me everywhere but um, because my music is distributed in all the online stores so you can always find it wherever you're looking for it but you can go to facebook and find terrell shahid t-e-r apostrophe e-l-l s-h-a-h-i-d wait t-e-r apostrophe t-e-r apostrophe e-l you don't have to put that in the oh. in the thing but if you want to find me you know you're googling that's how you spell it in the in the in the reality never, i never knew where to put the apostrophe if it was after the e or after the r t-e-r apostrophe e-l-l nice and then uh and that was just a play on my real middle name which is tarot and it's kind of a joke because we're educators in our family. Like, if you really wanted to say Terrell, because that's how everybody says it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a joke between me and my dad, really. But um, so, you know, Shahi means social witness, Eastern Aramaic, uh, the cusp of uh, Christian into Islamic, uh, meaning social witness or martyr. So I want you guys to understand that because that's the music that we create both in uh, my my band and in Neckbone. And then King Shahid is um, the Twitter um handle you can find me there um, please get on there all you know i love seeing what's going on and i like to send stuff out to you guys and then uh the latest album is cornbread uh i have an album that was under inner soul that only came out as an ep called chocolate city and we're about to re-release that as soon as i can get done chasing money <laughs> uh as all the other musicians but Chocolate City will be out. A uh, big shout out to uh, Ja Bourne, uh, from uh, wrote on and on for Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. He wrote on that as oh, well nice. with me. Uh, Steve Greer, my boy, what's up? Um, he's got that track you got over there, Blunted. We're about um, to play that. Man, it's it's a lot of 
just like I said, in, in my in my stuff, I try to include as many super bad producers and musicians as possible. So uh, check me out because when you check me out, you're checking them out. And uh, everything that happens for me, I spread that to all the musicians around me. So, yeah, man, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. <laughs> Put down a shirt, too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, again, well, thank you for coming uh, again. So this Saturday, December 19th, at Vulcan Gas Company, all the stuff we've been talking about, really, uh, I'm glad that you came, too, because you had a lot to say about the issue. Uh, we're trying to raise money for Austin Music people. Shout out to Jennifer Houlihan, who's been at this, uh, really supporting uh, the amp. music scene. <laughs> yeah, Amp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's Saturday at Vulcan Gas Company, 9 o'clock. We got DJ Protégé will be playing, mm. hosted by Riders Against the Storm. Yep. You know, they're the 2013 and 14 band of the year and Black Fret nominee uh, for 2015. Then, of course, we got Terrell Shahid with the... Is it Shahid Sessions? That's how you yeah, call it? Yeah, Shahid Soul Sessions. Yeah, Shahid Soul Sessions. Yes. They'll be taking over the stage. And then we got Henry the Invisibles who will be doing his thing. And one thing I want to do, and this is a little announcement here. I'm going to get all these guys to jam at the end of the night. To all come together, all the musicians. I got Terry Thomas will be coming through to... To join the, the jam session, I don't know how, the, how these work. I, when I see jam sessions, I'm like, I have no idea, and it sounds great. I'm yeah, like, we it's <laughs> musicians, musicians like do your own language. I'm like, <laughs> I want, what the hell? We go into our own world. Seriously, yeah. I love I love watching that stuff. So uh, <laughs> there'll be a jam session at the end of the night. So make sure you stick around. Uh, we also have a silent auction and a a, um, a raffle. So make sure you get your tickets at thefeedback.com slash five years. Of course, that's the number five and years. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Darren Taylor and Cotone, Italian clothing store. We got prizes from all kinds of people, man. Nice. We got uh, Wu Chow. We got Swift Addict, CG Arena, uh, Ray Cosmetics, Kesso ah. Versus, Waterloo Records donated some hey, records. Go ahead, Waterloo. Go on. What's up? Um, on the silent auction, we got Kendra Scott gave us some necklaces and earrings. The ah. Crowd Studio, Austin B Cycle, Beauty Store De- uh, Depot, Magna Photography, uh, Sarah's Catering Services, The Long Center gift tickets. Uh, Tito's gave me a gift basket. Hey. Uh, the W <laughs> Hotel gave me bottle service in the living room. What? Yes. Uh, and Sierra Nevada, uh, Benny Keith gave me a gift basket from Sierra Nevada. So all of that will be uh, the raffle and the auction. So make sure you participate. Again, this is for the Austin music community. This is to so we can keep that name uh, as uh, the music capital of the world. So uh, come out and support. And I want to play, do a little preview and play one of uh, yeah. Terrell's joint here called Blunted. So did you write all this stuff? I wrote this me and Steve Greer. Make sure you bring your dancing shoes. Gotta get down with it, baby. Just can't watch the TV. Can't listen to the radio. Information this leads me can't seem to 
So who, who's a, a plan in there? Or did you just produce it and you sing on? That's Steve Greer that produced this track, man. Okay. Straight up. Get some more of that live, you know. So oh, yeah. This is just a preview, fellas. Yeah. This is just a preview, so thank you. Shout out, Steve. Man, that was that's one of my favorite tracks. Even though I write tracks myself, I love playing that one. So This uh, is going to be a live show, man. man. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. We'll see you Saturday. Shout out to the rest of the band. Yes, sir. Hey, man, Daryl Phillips. That Y'all got to see this fool, too, on the bass. Youngster, Jordan Smith. Uh, Rod Dog, of course, from the original Neckbone and, 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 and the rest of the clan. Uh, we've got, uh, who else is that? John Keys on the keyboards. He's, it's a sick band, and Tara will be sitting in uh, singing background vocals just because she wants to do it. So, y'all, she's just showing love. So, um, Sweet. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Feedback Podcast, of course, uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow the feedback on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And we'll see you Saturday. Make sure you get your tickets and bring your dancing shoes because it's going to be one of those, one of those parties. Yes, sir. One of those. Yep. All right, everybody. You have a good one. Stay safe. Talk to you next week. Ciao, ciao.